This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. He's the man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. So, very good morning to everybody. It is the uh, 5th of September. Now, September, we hope to be cooling down a bit. It's still stinking hot. It's far too hot. Uh, Here we are, uh, early times in the morning, and we're already probably up to about 30. However, it is a little different. It seems as though maybe we're nearly ready to um, cool down. Let's go across to the UK, flying over the mountain range, across the Spanish Meseta, down across Wales, and let's find out what your weather is like today uh, in Wirral, uh, which is all the time introduced as the Wirral, but we'll keep it, we'll be a bit pedantic and say Wirral. Morning, Don. What's your weather like? The weather's okay, Vince. It's uh, autumny, sunny, warm, beautiful. Couldn't be better. And we're waiting for a new Prime Minister today. So that's exciting. Can't wait. Well, it, it does mean, of course, that all your uh, troubles will now dissipate um, because, quite frankly, you, you know as well as I do that um, it's just rebrand of the same, isn't it? I mean, realistically, <clears throat> we say new prime minister. Yeah, it, it is. But it's the same old system. The, the, the only people that have decided are the same conservatives that decided to get rid of the last one. So yeah. uh, it's um, it's not really the system that is inspiring at the moment. But then again, you know my feelings on these things. I think that was always the intention. Anyway, um, what sort of things have been going on during the week? Anything interesting? Uh, What have I been doing? Yeah. Uh, Not a lot. Uh, I've uh, I've been... the, The news watches back, which is good, because on the telly that gives people the uh, opportunity to have a, a moan at the BBC so but but nothing's done about it they, they, they read all the things out and then the be you know we've we've had the news they've been moaning about the coverage of the heat wave we had you know the four or five days heat wave which uh, frightened the life out of everybody and then the energy prices as a top of the news uh, and the child violence that they're showing at six o'clock at night, you know, before the, uh, before, you know, should, that should be at 10 o'clock. See, and people are really moaning about this. But of course, there's no representative from the BBC to answer it this week. You know, they think they've got a, it's pathetic, mate. The news is just, it needs taking off. It's terrible. Negative, negative. We've said this for weeks, but it's it's pathetic, you know. And people are writing in now, complaining about it all. And there's nothing being done. It's just the same, 
You come in in the morning, first thing on the news, oh, the energy crisis, people are going to starve, they can't afford to heat the house. It's, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's, 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 it's just going worse. Well, um, I, I get sources of information that other people don't get. And quite honestly, I received um, a podcast which I'd love to have sent to you. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, with you not being on WhatsApp, it's difficult for me to uh, to forward these things and let you have a look. Because um, what this program that I was watching clearly explains is that this is part of a plan that's been going on since 1971. And uh, they give you the footsteps that take you along the road to show you how all this has been planned and how it's now being put into operation. And the news is part of it. And it was part and parcel of the way that the uh, Germans used it in Nazi Germany um, to, you know, sort of get the people into a certain uh, state that uh, they could control. And sadly, um, unfortunately, at the top of these are things like constant dribble of the same message. And so, you know, the heat wave, of course, you know, if, if you're thinking you've got a heat wave, um, I've already outlined what our heat is like today. And yes, there is heat. Of course there's heat. It's very, very hot. You just have to learn how to adapt and change. And most British people that I ever knew were able to do that. But you've got a generation growing up differently because the news is telling them what to do. And the people who run the news are the people that want them to feel differently. You know, so um, the BBC. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the BBC. I used to be, by the way. I used to really, really want to work for the BBC and be part of what they do. But unfortunately, I think the BBC has gone very, very left wing. And, um, you know, you can see this quite clearly, can't you? Well, as I said, I couldn't care less half the time. You know, it's just, I just don't watch the news. I watch the thing in the corner on the red button, what's happening. You know, I mean, you have the, the floods in, in Pakistan. And, you know, the devastating the place and the hardships uh, and as they reach out for help these poor people and they have like a, a few minutes on that and then we then we watch this spaceship being prepared to go to the moon you know on the same you know which is costing billions and they can't get it off the ground you know it's just a joke the whole thing's a joke you know let's sort let's sort this let's sort Pakistan out before we go to the moon for goodness sake you know I don't know I, I don't know what to think mate it's just it's just awful the whole news and, and the television it's as if they don't know what to report on they pick the easiest thing and, and the most negative thing to report on and off we go and, and uh, everyone I know has just stopped watching it. We don't watch it anymore. It's just rubbish. Well, that that's probably older people more than younger people because uh, yeah, old, yeah. Uh, older people can see through it. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm the messenger and I'm being shot because I, I, you know, I explain the bad news. It, it's not really that difficult to understand. I mean, if you've got a neighbour that you didn't particularly like 
um, you'd give them the same message all the time. Either you would ignore them so that you pass them in the street, making them feel bad, or you know you'd uh, do what some people do, which is become an extremist and start doing things that really do affect them. Um, yeah, I, I I I feel just as annoyed about it. But the thing is, because I look at other news. I can understand why certain aspects of the news is the way it is. You know, if you don't have a balanced news, then uh, yes, of course, you just get one-way traffic and you've got to feel the way they want you to feel. Now, going to Pakistan, nobody in their right minds can watch a flood of the magnitude of a thousand people dying um, and not feel something in the heart that you want to help them and unfortunately throughout history we have had uh, despots and we've had horrible people and they don't feel what I feel and what you feel so they see these floods in in Pakistan and they couldn't care about it because basically um, they are wanting to spend money on sending a, a rocket up to the moon what would a rocket to the moon really achieve won't achieve anything the only reason why they want to do it is probably to test more weaponry because otherwise you know if they did the same test by firing a rocket laterally here on earth people will know what they're up to so they go to the moon and and so they know that they've got the thrust to make that distance and I think that's what it's about because it doesn't make any sense to go to the moon. What do we do last time? Jump up and down, allegedly play golf and wave a few flags? Nothing's happened for me. What can you remember? That's well, they, they had men on the moon you know, in the 70s. So what? You know, big deal. Or so they say. And, you know, you think like, well, what's the point? You know, I, I just don't get it at all. And the money it's costing. It's just ridiculous, you know, when they can sort out this billions, this, you know, billions, which could you know, could help people in, 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 with hardships like Pakistan, you know. And I don't know. There's nothing you can do. There's no point moaning. And well, exactly. There is, there is very little that we can do. I mean, the thing about this climate change, um, you only have to look at a map of the world to realise that Britain is so small that whatever comes off Britain is only a, a tiny fraction of exactly. what's going out around the world in, in terms of the environment anyway, because of the, the volcanoes and all the other things that happen as normal practice during sort of the weather, geology, whatever you want to call it, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm, 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 I'm not... We're a small country. Go on, sorry. Well, you know, no, I, I'm not... Um, I know that there's something that I don't like about the weather because obviously we've had a very hot summer this year. Um, but I think on a balance, really, it does make more sense to me when somebody explains that these things are cyclical because in our lifetime, Don, I'm sure you can remember. I mean, I can remember first as a child in Birkenhead, number one, I couldn't see from one side of the street to the other when I was about 10. Yeah. Do you remember those fogs? Yeah, yeah, the smog and all that, yeah. And then, all right, we go to, uh, say, the 1960s. I remember that we had snow and it was so bad, it was about six feet deep 
uh, on the Wirral even, I can, or on Wirral, I can remember deep snow. I can remember also that, um, you know, um, if, if you were ever looking and hearing about Cornwall, Cornwall, you couldn't pass. Bodmin Moor apparently was about 10 feet of snow. I don't know if you remember those sort of days. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's evolution, isn't it? You know, we had the Ice Age and it, com- it comes and goes. You know, to me, it's nothing to do with blokes driving around in, in diesel cars. You know, they just, it's, they just make it up. You know, it must be this, it must be that. To me, climate change, it's a load of nonsense. You know, it, the climate's been changing for millions of years. You know, what would they have said with the Ice Age? And as I said ages ago, if you go to um, uh, Iron Bridge near Shrewsbury, there's a, 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 a place there, a museum, and on the wall inside the museum, the museum's about 30 feet above the, uh, the river, and, and it says in 1800 now or whatever, the, the tide came up to here, and it's about 12 feet above your head, so it must have come up about 50 feet then. You know, what caused that? Diesel cars. You know, I don't know. It, I don't take much notice of it, mate. There's nothing I can do. And I just get on with my life, you know. But it, you, you, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me at look, all. Look, I'm t- totally okay with you saying that because obviously that's how you feel about it. Uh, for me, I, I couldn't affect 1066. Um, you know, I, I can't affect things that have happened all through history. So why should I bother learning history? The only reason why you learn things is so that you can maybe understand and try and live accordingly. I mean, you know, having worked in education, I, I, I'd be stupid if I didn't try and improve my own education all the time. It's an ongoing process. And when I uh, received the um, thing I've been listening to this morning, um, uh, you, you know, there's nothing really that... I totally don't understand. Um, th- this one seemed to be laying the blame fairly and squarely, uh, squarely at Henry Kissinger. Um, you, you probably remember the name. Uh, he used to work for President Nixon and he used to go round. In fact, the more that you can look for these little gaps in the jigsaw puzzle and find that one little piece that just drops into place, um, Henry Kissinger was always trying to open the door to China. And now that we've got the Chinese influence, we've got the Chinese influence in everything in the world. It's an amazing influence. Um, and it's going to get probably more stifling over the coming years. Now, the Chinese, they can't afford, they, they can't influence the climate in Pakistan. That's a natural phenomenon. So what I can do from where I'm looking at... Um, I can only admire the fact that the British Pakistani population immediately swing into operation and try and help their countrymen back in Pakistan. Um, You know, put aside whether I like their politics or particular aspects of their culture, that's nothing to do with it. The fact is, if people are drowning and other people are helping them, that can only be a nice thing and a good thing. That's the way I would see it. Um, don't don't know if you would agree with that, Don. Yeah, but you see, there's nothing we can do about it, is there? You know, you, you, all these things happening, there's nothing you can do. You know, whatever the government want to do, they'll do. You know, you, 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 you can't do anything about it. It's no, 
See, it's no point me sitting here worrying about what's happening because there's nothing I can do about it. Well, exactly. And That's I mean, how I see it. Listen, I totally agree with you. There is nothing that you can do about worrying about it. Um, but, for example, if you look at the number of ATM machines that are suddenly starting to close... Um, I read a report this morning that apparently um, there's another stack of the ATMs. Uh, if they don't start charging for your cash, in other words, when you go to your ATM machine to get your cash out, they'll charge you. Um, then obviously they'll get closed. And so, yes, if you want to uh, read about the things that are going and are coming, cashless society, you will own nothing you have to uh, be happy because you don't own anything um i don't know don how true it is but all i do know is if somebody says to me if you close your eyes and walk down the road uh there is a chance that you might step off the pavement to be hit by a car you can do something about that so if you see certain things that, that you think well hang on that might affect that yeah Okay, let's do something about it if we can. But as you rightly say, if you can't do anything about it, what's the point of worrying? Well, you see, I'm 77. And as far as I'm concerned, when you get to my age, you're on the scrap heap. You know, that, that's fact. And I look back and I've done everything. The only advice I can give to younger people is do everything you want to do and achieve everything you want to achieve which is the stage I'm at now so you know like you're on the scrap heap and I'm not bothered I just do I just go my own way each day and you know as, as I would because you're an old man you don't feel like you're an old man but you are you know and and that's it so you know what's the point of me worrying about climate change and worrying about what the Chinese and I, I couldn't care less you know, okay. that, that's, the, that's the stage I'm at, you know, because it's the scrappy and that's it. Don. And whether you like it or not. Don, you're making a lot of sense. I understand completely where you're coming from. I understand it. But I do think, I, I see things differently. I see, uh, yeah, when you get old, funnily enough, the blessed Chinese in, in, inculcated this the Chinese and the Japanese, they venerate age. At least that's what they used to do. We don't know if they still do it. Um, the one thing that drives me is the grandchildren. I don't want the grandchildren to have a crap life. I've got some um, lovely grandchildren that if I can help in any way to make their life a little better, that's the way that I'm driven. I think that as somebody that gets older, uh, yes, you're quite right. You, you, you do feel often that you're on the scrap heap, but you do feel also that you've seen things that you might be able to warn your sons and your grandchildren about. So yeah. I don't really want to go on the scrap heap. Uh, so I, I, I feel differently, but I do totally understand anybody who feels as you do. Yeah, but you see, don't underestimate the youth. You know, they're, they're not daft. You know, they don't really need us. You know, a lot of them. I know a lot of youngsters, a lot of them. And I go to the gym and, and you know, they're all there. You know, they're, you know, they're no mugs, you know. And in and modern technology, they're really into all that. 
you know, that, that, that's the point. You see, that, they'll sort themselves out because they're not stupid. You know, we think we're cleverer than them, but we're not. You know. No, I don't necessarily think we're cleverer. More experienced, I think we have to be by value of the age. Otherwise, what's the point of being alive and actually having years of experience? Um, but uh, I don't seem to remember all the young men who went off to fight wars that have seemingly been unnecessary uh, being sort of, you know, brave absolutely wonderful young heroes who have come back and been treated badly. Uh, sadly, politicians and whatever the, dare I say, the elite, using a horrible word, might want to feel, they do not care about age, they do not care about people, and so therefore, if I am an older person and I can advise and help any younger person in any way, shape or form, that is enough of a way to feel uh, valued. I think the sad thing is uh, we've talked here many, many times about the sheep, about the things that the sheep are now allowed and seemingly wandered into doing. Um, you only have to look at the ripped trousers to see just how wonderfully clever your young people seem to be. Not even the young people as well, by the way. You see older people who should know a hell of a lot better wearing these uh, ripped jeans and doing the stupid things that were all led down this ridiculously led path uh, in this modern society. Let's go to the handwritten lyrics of Starman. Now, this is quite interesting. Yeah, they found this piece of paper with Starman lyrics on David Bowie's Starman. The lyrics he wrote down on this piece of paper but it's and it's obviously worth thousands this piece of paper to somebody who sees much more than just words written on a, on a, on a sheet of paper. I mean, it's going to go for thousands. I don't get it. What do people see in this sort of thing? It's like the Tracy Emmons made unmade bed. You know that. They're out there, you see. This is what I'm saying. I've always said they're out there for the taking. So you've got you find this these lyrics written by David Bowie, and uh, you know they're, they're going to put it up for auction. It's going to make a fortune. What's what do you do with it if you buy it? Just uh, put, you know put it on in, in the cupboard. I mean I don't get it at all. To me, to me David Bowie was just a, a pop star. That's all. You know, he, he, he made his money and he, he's hardly an icon. You know, he is in every in other people's eyes. But to me, he's just a musician. And I don't get it at all. All this this business, you find bits of the Beatles memorabilia and, and guitars that so-and-so played. You know, what? it's a guitar. That's all. You know, a piece of wood with strings. That's all. You know, oh, no, but... Uh, Clapton played it, you know. People are there for the taking. That's the problem. You know, to me, if I found a piece of paper with Starman written on it, I'd probably screw it up and chuck it in the bin. But, uh, you know, not now I wouldn't. But, you see, that's that's the thing with it. You know, what is it with, with it all this? I don't get it at all. Never did. Don, I've always regarded you as a very intelligent guy, uh, a go-getter, somebody who sees through the bullshit very, very quickly. And that is what you're doing. You're seeing through the bullshit. 
If you actually look at programmes like uh, Bargain Hunt and if you look at Dickinson's uh, Real Deal and things like that, um, every single... I, I love these programmes, by the way, because <laughs> like you don't like these idiotic situations, I love to see how stupid people can get. You know, you've got um, these two teams on Bargain Hunt, the team, red team, and the blue team. So, of course, the BBC buy them anoraks. So there we are. We've got two of the cheapest-looking anoraks you can get your hands on uh, for them to have a, ba- a, 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 a team, a red team, or a, a blue team anorak. Then, if they can make money out of their three items, they get a pin that they can put in the anorak. So, I mean, that is so upmarket, isn't it? But, okay, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get junk that's been chucked out by people who want to get rid of junk and then they want to go and sell it and make money, which was never theirs in the first place, so that the people who are watching on TV, who basically have got nothing to do, they can all think, wow, they're clever people. And yet, week in and week out... We see two members of the red team or two members of the blue team and they go and buy something for about 170 quid. Now, people don't spend 170 quid that quickly. You know, the minute it goes over 100 quid, nobody's going to buy it. Yeah, so, yeah. so so, Anne and I are chuckling away. We're thinking, ha, 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 they're going to make money. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, so then... One of these presenters, and I do like the presenters. I think they're very knowledgeable. I think they've done the homework. I think they've done the studying. Uh, I think you like the lady from Cornwall that's on it, and I do as well. She's very nice. Um, But they're all a bit eccentric. I don't know if you noticed this. All the men wear the most garish outfits. It's almost like it's a Coco the Clown competition. How, who could look the most garish? Oh, hang on. Nobody's got a straw hat. I'll get a straw hat. Nobody's yeah. seen wearing white uh, Oxford bags underneath a modern jacket. I'll do that. Um, you know, then, you know, they've got to make themselves look eccentric to prove that they know what they're talking about. That doesn't correlate. It doesn't make, you know, one used to have this little twirly moustache. Why have antiques people got to have twirly moustaches or speak with rather, you know, posh received pronunciation accents? It's all bullshit. And so they come then to, um, you know, the, the sale room. And in it, you've maybe got 20, at the most, possibly 30 people who have got a bit of money, but plenty of time. Half of them are asleep on the couches and, you know, as these lots are brought in and people are voting and, you know, buying, you know, you've got, it's banter and it's fun. Then we have Dickinson's table. So, you know, all the dealers are at the table. And again, each one is a bit eccentric in his own or her own way. You've got a lady with big boobs and she keeps her money down her bra. Don't know if you've seen this lady. Lovely lady, by the way. But I mean, is is it very is it very couth to bring your money by taking it down from your under your armpit, smelly pound notes and wafting it round and giving it to somebody else? I mean, you know, in this day of COVID and washing our hands and disinfecting our 
about hands and minds and sanitising everything. There we are on TV, Dickinson's Real Deal. You want some money? I'm going to stretch down under me sweaty armpit and bring out your money that you're going to get for whatever it is I'm going to try and buy off you. It's all bullshit. I love, I love the bullshit because I love the programmes. Um, and then, of course, to have an afternoon out with David. Nice, ma- I like him. I think he's smashing, smashing guy. Um, but well, it's, it's light. It's light. It's light. Enter. You know, see, bargain hunt. They take the character route, don't they, with the with the clothing. But it's light entertainment. It's great. I love it. You know, it, it's uncomplicated. There's no. It's not opinionated. It's just. It's just nice. Nice watching. And I, I watch it at four o'clock because I, I copy it at lunchtime, and watch it at four o'clock. And it, you know, it's it's great. I, 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 well, this Dickens, is weird. Dickinson's you, a strange guy, you know, but he's all right. You know, I like them all. Don I love I love them all. And the relevance of what I'm talking about is exactly what you just criticised: the handwritten lyrics to David Bowie's Starman. Now we're talking about a moment in time. I'm not a big Bowie fan, but I did like some of his songs. I particularly liked Major Tom to Ground Control. You know, I liked the Space Odyssey. Um, I liked um, Golden Years. Uh, There were a a number of his songs, like any of these people. But sometime during his life, he had a Don Woods moment. And I don't (laughs) understand why you don't appreciate it. Because it only needs some time in the future, somebody to listen to my podcast, our podcasts, our rants about certain things, and somebody to say, "Good God, I've got the um, I've got the words here." It's a Clanfer Puthkin Go Go Gok, written by Don Woods. One uh, Saturday afternoon on Wirral, not the Wirral, Merseyside. Uh, this must be worth money. I'll go. I'll go down to the sale room and see if anybody can, um, you know, maybe make me an offer. You see, David Bowie was only the same. I can't remember his real name, David something. I can't remember. But I mean, he was only a lad like you at one time. The what? He was only a lad like you. He was only a young man with an idea. He wrote about going to the moon. And it's fascinated people for years and years and years. And when people um, want to put a value on it, that's where we become westernised. This is where we become capitalised. And where you tell me that you don't care, I know you care. I know that sometimes... Get me wrong, you know. I mean, the, the Bowie words. If anybody wants them, and they want to pay for them, fine. But you know, to me, I don't get it. If someone offered me a piece of paper with those words on, you know, I, I, I'm not interested. Well, that's you know, the difference. That's the difference. You're not interested. So, as a wordsmith, you do surprise me. Because, you know, from time to time, I've brought you details of certain songs which you've disliked or you've liked. Uh, particularly the Beatles have had a hammering. Anton Deck, they haven't written any songs yet, but they'll get a hammering if they write one. <laughs> you know. 
the thing is, <laughs> I, I, I'm a lyricist, right? Yeah. I write songs and I can write songs. And to me, I, I don't know anyone that writes better lyrics than I do. I know it sounds big-headed, but, uh, you know, I write good songs, good lyrics, you know, and th that's why when I listen to modern stuff, some of it's good, like ABBA, very good ABBA lyrics, but I, I like listening to lyrics, and I write good lyrics, in my opinion, you know, but, but, but to buy a piece of paper uh, for thousands, you know, which David Bowie wrote, in, you know, I get it. But it's, it, uh, you know, it, it's, I think, well, it's a bit silly Don, to me. you, like me, ha well, you more than me, have been financially successful. Uh, you've been very successful, certainly with Wirral and what you've done there. You've been great on the things that you've done with the wrestling and with some of the other things. But... Um, and certainly, I, I would never have wanted what I'm going to say now. And I think I might suspect neither would you. I never, ever hit the dizzy heights that meant that, you know, if I'm walking out, all the world comes screaming at me and people want interviews and the girls want to scream and I've got to run for the safety of my car and drive away at great speed. When I look at people like David Bowie, when I look at John Lennon, when I look at George Harrison, when I look at Princess Di, when I look at all these people we've had over our lifetime, I've been lucky, Don, because I've had interesting things to do. I've made an interest in life for our, myself and for my family, um, and I've had a private life. Now, I think that's the difference. Now, I saw a video very recently of David Bowie at, um, I think it was the Milton Keynes Bowl or somewhere where he was singing in front of uh, huge crowds. I like me privacy, Don. I like what I do. I like to come home. I love to sit down and have a cup of tea and be quiet and have my own thoughts in my own house. Not many people um, who have sort of gone before us because they've been killed by madmen, by dangerous people, by whatever it is, have had that. We have. So when we talk about maybe success, um, we are not selling handwritten lyrics maybe like David Bowie's Starman, but we have had success. You more than me in the return of what you've written and what you've been able to sing about. Um, you know, I've been very lucky meeting people with my podcasts and, and, you know, singing in the way that I sing. Not the greatest of singers, but, you know, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I, but I've come home and I've had a private life. Now, I suspect you might be the same, but you've never totally maybe thought seriously about that little critical balance where you could have stepped over and maybe pushed a bit harder and become famous, but maybe had no life, or maybe you'll be satisfied with what you've done. You've had your moments of star stardom of some sort, but you've played your golf, you've had your private life, you've run your band, you've done all the things, you've had your family, and you've been successful. Don, you've made a success of your life. 
Well, yeah. You see, to me, I'm, I'm competitive, see. The, the writing the songs was proving a point. You know, I, I, I write a song and I don't care what people say. A lot of it gets criticised. You know, oh, see, but I don't care. So I proved the point by writing the song, recording it and selling it. That to me is it. It's not particularly about the money you get. And when you know the score with songwriting and you know how to uh, how to get the money in from royalties and, and mechanical royalties and all that, once you know all that, it, it, that does it for you. You know, but it, the, the point is writing the song and someone says it's crap and you go and prove. Like one song I wrote, fella said it was the worst song he'd ever heard. Adrian Street, one of his, Adrian, Adrian Street, the wrestler. And as a joke, I played it him and he said, that's the worst record I've ever heard. And that song paid off my mortgage, you know, at, at the end of the day, because it, it, it took off in America. You see, that that's the thing, you know, that, and I had the band, which, which was a separate entity. I didn't sing my own songs in the band. We used to entertain, give them what they want, you know, Viva España and all that. And, and I had a job. So I was doing three things. It's not as if, you know, I've had it thrust upon me, all these. I mean, I've made a lot of money, but, but you know, I've made enough to, to, to live. And uh, that, But that's what it is. It's like the competitive streak. You know, you go out and, and prove a point. Because when I wrote that How to Say Landfair PG, I knew straight away it was going to do something because nobody had thought of it. And that's the secret. Find the gaps in the market. That's what I've always done. Okay, look, I've been a fan for a long time. We've been friends, but I've also been a fan of your work, which is why I like doing the podcast with you. And you see, you've got to... Really, people have to define success. And I think part of the success that you've had, first and foremost, you've had a very balanced mind between doing a job that paid all the money that you needed to be able to do the other things that you had in your life. Now... I have tried to do the same. I've not been quite as successful as yourself. But where did I get that idea from? I went, did my studying, which I always needed to do. And I went and did it. I proved to myself that I could get my degrees, which I needed to do. Um, and when I went to do my degree, a very um, great, very nice, ordinary lecturer said to me, Vince, go into teaching, he said, but don't just teach. Use that as your base, your safety net, and then have your fun and your other things around it. And you've done that already with a career that was very successful as a trading standards officer. Don, in a, in a, in a sad moment, in a downtime, obviously, maybe you don't see the, the things that you have been excellent at. Don't lose sight of who you are. You are somebody of substance. The podcast that we do, many people enjoy. Let's go to our next point, because quite frankly, there are so many things we do see very similarly. And um, you didn't see much on TV last Saturday. So what did you watch? Out of interest, I thought there's nothing on Saturday night. I thought, oh, what's it said? Nothing on. So at all, except you know, the masked singer and the voice 
followed by the voice. Now I don't. I've never seen. I've seen. I used to watch the voice originally when it started, uh, but I've never seen the masked singer. So I thought, out of interest, I'll watch it. I have never seen such a load of utter garbage in my life. That is the worst program I've ever seen. It's you get a these singers come on supposed to be celebs uh, dressed up so you can't see their face they're dressed up like a, a flower or a or, a, or a, a, a bear or something or a, you know some animal and they're dancing and, and the the talentless celebrity uh, panel i've got to guess who they are i've never seen such a load of trash and it, I, t- I turned it off in the end and, but I was, I was interested because it doesn't show you who they are. They only show you who one of them is at the very end of the programme. So I turned it off and I watched something I'd recorded, Room 101 or something. And I went back to it at the end to see who they were. And I still don't know who, who, who they were. It was awful, absolutely dreadful. So I thought I'll leave it on and see if the voice has improved. Well, so let's, stay yeah. with, let's stay with that first one first because basically yeah. we'll have a go at the voice in a minute. You're knocking one of my favourite programmes of all time here, Don. I mean, (laughs) the one thing that I look forward to is seeing a dancing bee or maybe a kangaroo or somebody who is trying to... very often trying to uh, convince people that there's somebody who they're not. Um, and then you've got this wonderful panel, panel where basically uh, some of them I don't know, uh, and yet the cameras always go on their faces to show the amazement and the shock yeah. and uh, wow! And all this over the top exaggerated behavior. Um, yeah. Look, uh, all joking aside, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a it's a load of rubbish, absolute drivel. But that is part of what this is all about. If we're not watching t- football on TV, where we are now seeing people like Mo Salah getting £350,000 for doing nothing. I watched the game, two weeks running, he's hardly done anything. And yet... He's getting paid £350,000 every time he turns up. So uh, you've got that. You've got this ridiculous competition that you've been talking about. What are they doing? They are destroying the work ethic. Let's be honest about it. If you've got the choice between doing menial jobs like going out into a field and picking crops for people to have food. Uh, And by the way, if you bother to listen to some of the stuff that I hear, you totally understand that what they're trying to do is deprive people of food and fuel uh, so that eventually the numbers on the planet will drastically reduce and how do you do it you stop people wanting to produce food you'd rather sit and watch rubbish on a tv rather than maybe go out and have to do an honest day's work the the work ethic used to be something that people like margaret thatcher people like the greats of the past used to talk about before we had the work ethic what did we have before that we had young men all going off to fight 
for the privilege of being able to watch this rubbish that we've got on TV. Don, um, I, I know sometimes it must be awfully difficult to think that I'm a sane person, but believe me, if you see some of the stuff that I see, I'm pretty sure you would have maybe um, a little bit more of where I'm coming from. Just as you've had a glittering career, you know, I went and studied for the best part of seven years. It's a long time to, to have that uh, luxury of reading and looking at balances which tell me about the World Economic Forum and how everybody is being led down this path to destruction by a few ego maniacs who are quite happy for us all to be watching the rubbish on tv so now i'm going to look at another of your classic tv shows with you which one are we looking at this time the second of your great shows on tv over the weekend the voice is that what you're talking about it is indeed yeah, I haven't had a glittering career, by the way. You have, you way. have, you just, have done. I've just, I've just, uh, I've just been in the game. You know, it's like Mo Salah. You, you say he's getting all this money, but you're getting thousands and thousands and thousands of people paying a lot of money to come and watch him. If you can convince people like that, fine. You see, but you know that's why if nobody went to the game, he wouldn't get any money, would he? Well, but, no, they, uh, no, that's not true. Don, that's not true because there's not enough money generated from the people that go through the turnstiles. They have to do it through TV. It's all to do with TV now. It's not to do with attending the match. Yeah, right. The Voice. Uh, again, I used to watch it where it, it hasn't improved at all. You've got these uh, Tom Jones and the few other celebs who have their back turned to the stage in these chairs that turn round and they have this uh, young hopeful comes on to sing but what what it is first off you've got to get the sob story oh you know i've always wanted to sing and this could be me big moment and i lost me grandmother the other week ah, ah. and they come on hoping someone will turn round and take them on and they don't you know, which makes it even worse. I mean, it's just garbage. And that fellow, Will I Am, for goodness sake, you know, uh, but it's on. And, and even, I'm surprised Tom Jones is involved in it, really. You know, but he's there. I suppose he's getting his money, isn't he? Well, he but, has uh, to be there because if the. Don, he has to be there to authenticate the panel. It's not that, um, you, you know, I, I mean, they've tried that with, um, who was the other guy? I think it was um, Engelbert Humperdinck had a week or two on it. Um, but, you know, yourself, listen to the way we're talking about this panel. If there wasn't a Tom Jones on it, I don't know, would we know the other three? Um, oh, you're right. You see, right. Um, you see also, uh, uh, with today's technology, you can record stuff on the, on, on, and keep it, st stack it up on the television. You know, you can press the, the red button and it'll record a programme for you. So that that's what I do. I, I very rarely watch the actual TV. I watch things like Room 101, which I find very funny. And um, would I lie to you? I, I, I store all these up. So what I do at night, I'll watch anything that's worth watching 
and then when it isn't, I'll, I'll watch stuff I've recorded. That's the beauty about modern TV, because in the old days, we only had a couple of channels, didn't we? And, um, you know, you couldn't do that. So that, that's one good point. So you don't have to watch it. But I thought I'll watch these two programs out of interest. And absolute garbage. And what we've got coming up is Strictly Come Dancing. God, I'll, I don't know... I don't know what they're going to have on that. But if they have two blokes dancing again, that'll be the end of that. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, you know. but I mean, they, they, listen, don't think for a minute that that's not being thought out. Two men yeah. two men dancing. I mean, you know, let's be honest about it. Um, you know, the whole of TV is manipulative. And uh, about three months ago, in the UK in particular, they suddenly realised that if they suddenly make everybody that's on the adverts uh, a black person, um, then they can start indoctrinating this idea of the size of the black population in England. And I I don't know about you, you see, I look at um, a black person and then I look at a brown person and I look at a white person. I only look at people, by the way. Um, and I see there's a difference between a black person and a brown person. I know there's a difference between black hair and brown hair. But you see, when it comes to skin, that dis- it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. There's no difference, really, between brown and black in the statistics. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. you're, you're either white, which, of course, we're patently not white. We're pink with little bits of grey fluff round the chin and eyebrows and all that sort of stuff. So we're not white people. All this nonsense about white, we're not white. We're coloured. But we can't say coloured because coloured means sort of brown, which really means black. You know what I mean? So this is the nonsense which TV brings to us. And then, as I say, I'm looking at the TV now and all the adverts... Every family has got mixed race. I don't understand it. Where has it all happened? Why? Why have I, I'm like Rip Van Winkle here, and while I've had a sleep, everybody in Britain, all the families have suddenly changed, so that you don't have all white families. Like probably seventy percent of the country is. I don't understand it. And then when somebody makes me believe that the brown population is really the black population what's happened to the color brown it doesn't that does not stack up and the trouble is you see when we've been educated like you and i and older people have we then went through through a phase and i as a teacher hated this part of it where kids started to go out of control and eventually i decided right okay well if you can't discipline a child you can't teach them and that's true, that, by the way. So whose yeah. idea is it for this to happen? It's the politicians who have been persuaded that you can't discipline children. Well, see, I don't look at it. See, it's all this, he's a black person. He's just a person. That's you what know, I'm it's, saying. It's skin, isn't it? It's just, you see, it's like, when I was watching the, 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 the sport, and the English girls' team... Uh, relay team, they're all black, if you like, or, or, or light. They're all beautiful, aren't they? And, and so is the men's team. There's no absolute, in inverted commas, white people in either team, you know. And I wouldn't have noticed that they're, they're the athletes. It's just that it keeps getting brought up 
you know, on the adverts. So I, I don't. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have noticed on the adverts unless people keep going on about it. You know, all me, everyone here. Oh, so so what? You know, the adverts. So what? Well, no, 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 no. Hold it there, Don. They're not just adverts. They started out just adverts, but every single advertiser has got an agenda. The whole point of advertising is to convince you that you need something that you haven't got and you'll pay money for. So every single advert has now got an agenda. It always did have, always will have, that's the whole point of marketing. And somebody has now put into the advertising fraternity some mandate at some point that you have got to have black people in your advert. Now, I like a lot of black people. I like a lot of white people. There are some black people I don't get on with. There are some white people I don't get on with. In my garden, I have tributes to people who have come and gone. I have got certain people who are white, certain people who are black. It doesn't make any odds whatsoever what the colour is. It's the heart that matters and you and I both know this whole thing has been contrived. You and I have never been racist. Come on, if you're in music, you can't be racist. I just love black music. Why am I saying black music? Horrible expression. It's because basically I can quickly uh, make sure the concept of your Stevie Wonders, the Four Tops, James Brown, all the music that I've loved over my lifetime, you know, we can quickly attribute to these people who just happen to be from a different race to us. No, I don't like racism in the slightest. I just like to see ordinary people talking about ordinary things. But the remit of these podcasts is to look at the reality of some of the things that we don't understand. And you particularly didn't understand one of my favourite singers, a man I met on a podcast and um, a man who Paul Melba, the late Paul Melba, used to talk about, Jess Conrad. So why don't you appreciate Jess Conrad's work? I We moan <laughs> about modern music yeah. us oldies oh we had the mu- the music isn't as good as we had so I, I went back through the years on uh, Spotify and I thought who was around when the music the music we had was so great and I found Jess Conrad <laughs> and this song which was a hit and it's called Cherry Pie and it's so bad you know, if you if you played it now, I think it, it, I don't know what had happened to you. <laughs> but it, you know, when when we go back, you look back, we only remember the good stuff. You know, us oldies, because there's a lot of good stuff around now, a lot of rubbish. Yes. But there was then, and we tend to forget that. You know, oh, we had the best music. We had this. You know, and there was a program on called Get Back, and it was about the cavern. Um, the Liverpool Cavern, and it was going back to the history of it. And they had all these blokes who had played there, as they are now, you know, living the dream, poking the, uh, poking the, the corpse. You know, it's over. You know, and, and they're still living on that dream. It's over it's, when it's, you decide it's over, Don. You've got to move on. You've got to move Don, on. Don, it's you. over when you decide it's over. If you're going to let everybody else decide for you that it's over, 
then that is different. But you, I know, are a man who makes his own decisions. Now, as far as Jess Conrad goes, I think part of Jess Conrad's whole thing was to pretend that he was better than he knew he was. You know, um, Paul used to have a go at him every now and again. Um, but, you know, I think that was the part that he, he... He was like the musical version of your wrestler, Adrian Street. He was... Yeah. Oh, he able to deliver a song. He probably knew he wasn't the best singer in the world. He was at a time when he could get away with putting out a few bad songs and making a few bob from it. So, you know, I think that but was part see, of it. But you see, I don't get it why it's still popular. I wrote that stuff in 1980. That's when, when I was dealing with Adrian Street and the... And the um, they all, I did two albums for him, and it, it sold well. It went well. It was at the time it was Vogue. It's still selling. I don't get it. You see, I, I'm glad, but I don't get. It. I, you know, it's 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 not of today. You know, and but I'm not complaining. But like, I just I just don't get it at all. Why we have to sort of keep? To me, let's let's the past is gone. Let's move on. You know that that's why I've always been. I don't I don't live in the past, and a lot of blokes do. You know, we oh we went to Germany. You know, with the group. I mean, they went to Germany to, to the. I didn't. Okay, you know, Don. I didn't, I didn't want to know. We're know. coming to the end of our time. So would you do me the right. big favour of announcing your record of the week, please? Ladies and gentlemen, possibly one of the worst records ever made. And that includes some of mine. This is probably worse than any anything I've written. Ladies and gentlemen, Jess Conrad will now sing for you Cherry Pie. Cherry, cherry pie. La la la, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype.